Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dallas Comedy Club podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Alou, and I am here today with a very funny, very talented, very wonderful human being, Mr. Ray Maddox. Thank you so much for being here, Ray. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, longtime listener, <laughs> and so liar. it's great. To, <laughs> it's great to be on here finally. I hate you. Uh, Ray plays on many teams here at Dallas Comedy Club. He's a part of the DCC Club team, Redemption. He is a part of Don't Broken, Not Fixin', Midnight. My passion. Uh, he is the tech for the improvised horror movie, which sells out like fucking crazy. And he's also the host of the Sunday Super Jam. Uh, you are all kinds of plugged in here. You trying to take my job? No. Don't lie to me. <laughs> if it's ever offered to me, I will wholeheartedly reject that. I don't fucking believe uh, you so one bit right now. I know, but I, I don't want that at all. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you make it sound like this job is awful? It's a wonderful job. Uh, How dare you? <laughs> you want my job, okay? It's probably a fun job, um, but it's just like where I'm at right now, I don't want that sort of responsibility, you know? Oh, you you, you heavy, have too much, too much responsibility. Yeah, already. heavy is the head that wears the crown. You know. I, I, yeah, my neck is killing. Me, yeah. Okay, yeah. Ray, I'm so excited to get to know you a little bit. Obviously, I just got to Dallas. I yeah. only know what people tell me in rehearsals, which is not uh, much. Yeah. So I want to know all about Ray and how you got involved in comedy. Like, what what made you want to enter this very weird world of improv? Sure. That's a great question. And I knew coming into it, it would be the question. And I never have a very concise story to this question, but I'll do my best. Okay. I wanted to do it because I like... <laughs> oh, no. There are parts of me that like the spotlight, and then there's other parts where, where I do not like the spotlight. And for a, a very long period of time, <laughs> I was in the mind space of, of not wanting to be in the spotlight, and then... As I became in, uh, in kind of an adult in my 20s, I was like, I should put myself in situations where, like, I can grow as a human. And one of those was being, like, again, being in, not in the spotlight for a very long time, especially in, like, college. Um, I was like, I should, for my next step, whatever that may be, kind of force myself to be more of a focus or, or kind of, like, interact more and, and have more of a, like, uh, people around me and stuff like that uh, socially. And so one of the things I was aware of at that time when I was trying to make this big choice was improv comedy because long story short, one of my high school friends uh, came, she went to college elsewhere. I went to college here in Texas, uh, but she eventually moved back after college and she was like, hey, I've met this guy through Match. Uh, he has this show. Can you uh, come to it with me? And I said, sure, sure, sure. And so I went to that show, just loved it immensely, that improv show. Do you remember the show, out of curiosity? Um, I, I, I remember the troupe. Uh, I don't remember the specific show, because at this point I, I would, so the story is kind of like I would go back to see them by myself Yeah. when they would have shows once or twice a month um, without this without this friend sometimes. And so I remember parts of all those shows, but I don't know which one was like the original show that I saw. I may not remember that show at all. What was the team name? Uh, they were called Dairy Based. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I went, to, went and saw just a bunch of their shows and just like other shows eventually, which was very interesting because uh, at the time it was Dallas Comedy House and I was seeing shows there, but I wasn't taking classes. I saw shows for like a year and a half, kind of almost two years and was just like a spectator and kind of the, the, not really like interacting with people after shows, just kind of seeing the show, getting in, getting out, but still becoming familiar with everybody in a weird way uh, as like an outsider, as an observer, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, so eventually, again, now flashing back to when, or flashing forward, I guess, to when I was like, I want to take this like next step and kind of like put myself kind of more in like a focal role or at least kind of like force myself out into the 
proverbial dance circle, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I had already had this like improv comedy thing in my mind and was wanting to try it. And I was like, this seems like a good way to inject that into my life, if any of that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so you started taking classes at DCH. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so I saw shows for a year, year and a half. Graduated from college, had a big crisis of like, what do I want to do with my life as well? And then I was like, I'll, I'll do comedy classes and see how that goes. And so, yeah, I started taking classes, got on one of their house teams when I was like halfway through classes. And he, basically, here we are. I've skipped over probably like five years of history, but <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah, we've just hit the fast forward button yeah, and yeah. now we're sitting in this podcast studio yes, and yeah. you're trying to take my job. Um, <laughs> yeah, actively. Yeah, actively. Uh, right. I mean, it's so wild to think that you spent a full year to year and a half just mm -hmm. coming to see shows because um, a lot of people out there in the world uh, don't really get improv, right? Like until right. they take a class, right? Especially long form, because there's a big right. difference between long and short form improv. Right. Um, and so for like the normies out in the world, they see a long form improv show and they're like, well, I don't know if I got that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just pretty. It's so unique to find people who are like, yeah, I just was a watcher, right? Um, I think it kind of hit two things that I already knew I was kind of good at, which was. Um, when the focus is on me, I feel very comfortable in that. I don't really get nervous if I have to lead or, or present or do something like that. And then also, I've always known, this is an awful thing to say, I, I guess. I can't wait to hear it. I've always known I'm, I'm funny. <laughs> um, I know I'm funny. And that's one of the few things in my life that I really like hold on to desperately with like self-identity of just being like, this is something I know I can do or something, a part of me that I'm like good at. Yeah. Right. And you are a, very funny. Thank you. You are a very funny person to watch. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, truly. Uh, my boyfriend, had, the first night he watched the club teams, yeah. he leaned over and he was like, oh, isn't that one? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> don't murder him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, uh, you are such a, a fun player to watch because you commit so fully. And in New York, LA, Chicago, the mm -hmm. other cities I've been in, you know, that's pretty standard. You see a lot of people who just go like balls to the walls commitment. And sure. in Dallas, it's something that I'm seeing less of. And I think it's truly more than anything, just because there's a lot less uh, people involved in improv here who are like actors first. Right, right. There's a lot more just like normal people who are like, right. I want to try this and keep yeah. doing it. And I love that because yeah. I think normal people are funnier than actors, honestly. <laughs> yeah. um, so it is, it's so fun though to see the few people in this community who have no fear to just like scream at full volume or yeah. get tased in the middle of a scene and actually yeah. commit to getting tased. Taste, yeah. 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 Uh, I think actors, and I don't know if this is the direction we need to take this, but I think I also agree that like real people versus actors, by saying that we're saying actors are not real people. They're, but, not. <laughs> uh, They're not. I understand how real people are funnier because we have, I don't know why this is all some like anti-actor. <laughs> uh, we just have life experiences that differ from like, I think people who get like big into acting or like. Uh, like become a star yeah really but that's a probably a whole different conversation for a different like ted talk. yeah i mean listen this is your ted talk we sure. can go any yeah, direction yeah. you want to go yeah. in um i mean honestly i think so much of it is um like actors at least in la especially it's like mm -hmm. you get signed with an, an agent in la the very first thing they tell you is go take a class at ucb you have to yeah. go take an improv class yeah. at ucb so you get a lot of people who end up in improv who are like yeah, like all, my whole life is just auditions yeah. and uh, being on set. And so you can't really gleam any real life experience yeah. from that. It yeah. is its own weird bubble of a world. Yeah. 
And then you have like the Ryan Vixels of the world who right, stumble right. in as like <laughs> the funniest, awkwardest, like teacher yeah. who's now just like a hilarious improviser. And yeah. it's, you can't teach world experience, life experience yeah. in the classroom. Yeah, there's this thing called like puppy dog energy, and a lot of people attribute to like golden retrievers as a breed. Ryan Vixell has like a puppy dog energy. It's not like a golden retriever energy, but it's very much just like a just like a. I don't know. I don't know how to put it's my. It's a thumb golden on it. doodle that humps <laughs> yeah. a pillow. It's That's what it yeah, is. It's yeah, a yeah. golden doodle humping a pillow, yeah. and I love him so much for it. Um, yeah, and the two of you are teammates, and that's what's yeah. so fun to get to watch such different energy play off of each other. Yeah. Because you don't get to, again, when you have just a bunch of actors, they take it very seriously and they're very presentational. Right. And then you have this, like, mix of humans um, that come from so many different walks of life. You smash them together onto a team. Right. And then you just get to watch fucking magic yeah, happen. And exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. I've always been a fan of Ryan Vixell. A, because our first names are very similar. Yes. Um, even with the letters. And Ryan, I've watched for four or five years since I've started doing this. And just have always been amazed of how much commitment he has yeah. <laughs> and how it won't like once he's on that uh, route, if, if we're still going with like the metaphor of a dog, right? Once yeah. I get like that sense, they don't really like back down from it, which is a good thing in, in a lot of contexts. And so I've always just been amazed by because I have like a lot of this is again, edit this out, if Never. possible, like Never. self-doubt, you know, I'm human, even if I like the spotlight. And so like seeing him just like stick to stuff, I'm just like, wow. I wish I could do that. Maybe I do that, but sometimes do I feel that. like I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I've been hitting this dead horse for too long. I, I don't know. Like I'm a, I'm a fan of like do the thing, and if you don't get that laugh right away, if you yeah. just commit harder, it's gonna get funnier. Yeah. There was I, the jam this past week. It was like Logan. Was it you and Logan who just like screamed maybe. on stage uh, for maybe, like? Yeah, yeah. It was just like. Dog, 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 <laughs> over and over and over again. And it was like, yeah. there were so many levels to like, this isn't that funny. Yeah. Oh my God, this is so fucking funny. Holy shit, I'm dying. Oh wait, this isn't funny anymore. Oh God, no, it's funny yeah. again. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. they just didn't stop until someone yeah. sweet yeah. edited it. That wasn't me, but that was Logan and Jay Reed. Yeah. And me and Jay uh, probably get pointed out as brothers all the time. We look Are very the two similar. of you on a team? You're on one of these teams we're on, together? We're on Don't Broken. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And we were once on a team called Spencer County, which the conceit of that team was it was people who all look alike. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, again, Jay Reed and I look alike, and there was two other men. And then um, Caitlin Sands, who's on Fern, also mm -hmm. kind of looks like we're all kind of, like, related. Brunettes, yeah. usually, like, more lanky-looking people. Yeah. But, yeah, usually paler skin. Uh, we all just look, look, <laughs> look like we're related or belong to, like, the same cult. Yeah, you, yeah, you're, yeah. I feel like you're describing uh, what we do in the Shadows cast at the moment, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which is wonderful. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's something, too, I want to talk about. I mean, you're one of the few people who are part of several teams here. It's uh, a problem, yeah. Well, why is it a problem? Uh, it's it's not by itself. It's not necessarily a problem. And you you might – I think this is a common problem in, in kind of an improv community or, or theater community is doing too, like overextending, doing doing too much. And so during this pandemic, you know, obviously we lost all commitments, yeah. especially comedy related. So I was like, okay, cool. I get this like time to slowly build back. Um, because before I was in probably five or six other teams or commitments or was like doing some other things. And so again, I was like, oh, I can like do one at a time, do this first like club team and take it for like, 
after a few months, then I can do like a second commitment. And then we're <laughs> like a month into it. And as you listed, I'm on like three teams and like checking this other show. And yeah, then and like, the jam. Yeah, and the jam. <laughs> and I was like, you, know, you just like turn around, you wake up one day and you're just like, How, what? What happened? You just uh, kept saying yes. Yeah. And then I enjoy it. It's not like I'm driving here any, and on any days I have to drive here, I'm just like, fuck this why am i having to do this i still enjoy it thankfully yeah um but yeah i'm just like whoa how did i get all these commitments all of a sudden i'm in a lot and i'm grateful for those opportunities naturally and so that's where i met with that where i'm like this is a problem do i have like an addiction to this yes and doing you that do. sort of no yes you do and if you, anyone who's in this building yeah. who's like on teams and play, like we're all part of the same cult at yeah. this point we yeah. all love it it is our drug of choice it there is nothing better I was just talking about this with Ryan was like, you know, I didn't realize how much I missed the audience's laughter until oh. that first show back. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like an injection of heroin. Yeah. That's what it felt like of just, oh, I'm never getting off this stage. <laughs> You're going to have to drag, drag me, me yeah. off tonight. Yeah. 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 It's uh, audience interaction is a big thing for me. One of my weirder qualities, especially with comedy, is I find it extremely difficult, if not impossible, to watch anything that's taped, whether mm. it's a stand-up special yes. on Netflix or, or a sketch comedy, anything like that, on SNL, anything. Because for me, being in that room with live bodies hearing a reaction, whether I'm watching it or on the stage, is... Uh, uh, I do not have the words to really describe like how big of an impact that for me. If I'm at home watching like a John Mulaney stand-up special, I have to break it up into two or three like portions. Yeah, because it's just a different vibe and feel for me. <laughs> I'm not. And I think it's common. Well, I'm not audience... like laughing along with. Uh, if I'm at home like watching sandwich, I'm not like laughing as much as if I would be in an audience somewhere. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I I equate live theater, whether it's an improv show or something scripted or right. a stand-up, whatever. Live being in the room as for a live show, the audience is another character yeah. that's part of that show. Yeah. And it cha they are different every night, and sometimes they are, like, the best castmate, and yeah. sometimes they are the worst castmate. Yeah. But they are part of it. Right. And there you cannot replicate that energy with a, a camera. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they actually, they talk about it with stand-up a lot, where it's like if you watch stand-up specials, um, you you find yourself really not laughing at the same times as the right. audience. And yeah. it's because there is a different energy in yeah. the room. It yeah. is funnier in the room. Yeah. yeah. It's also, I don't know, this is, God. I have ADHD, so my Let's mind's go. always kind of... <laughs> Thinking of different things, but that's also why like sitcoms are fascinating to me with laugh tracks. Sitcoms yeah. with laugh tracks are fascinating because I don't understand the purpose of that per se. Because it's like I I understand from like a very like clinical level of it being like if you as the audience member hears like a laugh track, you're more likely to like be into it or laugh or think it's funny or whatnot. But I've never like I don't know I don't know I don't that's. Well, I think it's a weird carryover because like, you know, I mean, this is ready for the word yeah. TED talk shifting gears, <laughs> but it's like, you know, we are watching um, the landscape of entertainment change sure. every oh, yeah. year, yeah. Um, you know, if, even down to like TikTok. Yeah. Like, there are people famous because of TikTok. That's oh. insane to me um, that are like booking, you know, Union City, Union yeah. Hall in New York, yeah. which is like a huge venue. And you're like, they do three minute videos how yeah. are they going to headline yeah. an hour so it's like i think laugh tracks are an interesting carryover from like the last generation of entertainment right and then you see it like even the three camera setup isn't a thing oh, anymore no. now yeah, it's yeah. like a single camera even yeah. a comedy you're just using the one camera there's yeah. no laugh track 
I, there's no point to this. It's just interesting to see the landscape shift and change. Well, yeah, and most people's now like favorite comedy in the past decade, which could be like you know things from Thirty Rock, Office, Parks and Rec, The Good Place. Mm -hmm. Those aren't sitcoms, right? There's the three camera died. Probably I can't think of the last. Probably uh, big, big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. Yeah, that that's the, the one that one. Uh, that was like huge, which I think that's like an anomaly, really, because I mean, how many new sitcoms come onto in one season and then like never come back? Yeah. Oh my God. So many. It's constant. Um, it's, this is a total digression. Have you ever listened to uh, Dead Pilot Society? It's a podcast. Is that a band? Oh, no, no, it's no. a it's a uh, podcast. Uh, I'll recommend it. It's yeah. really fun. They take um, uh, scripts that uh, they that the pilot oh, never, never got made picked it? up. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then yeah, they yeah. cast it. And a lot yeah. of the times it's like Rain Wilson will come yeah. in and read for characters. And like yeah. bigger names. It's very fun. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, nothing to do with this. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, bring it back to TikTok, if yeah, yeah. I may. Yes. Love TikTok. Been on the app for years. Mm -hmm. um, that is where I, this is the hill I will die on, is that like that is where comedy is and needs to be we are still are you a star wars person uh yes i'm a star wars person um in the last jedi adam driver as kylo ren has this very famous line i think it's last jedi where he's just like you're holding you're still holding on or something yeah to the past, right just let go basically or whatever he says and that's how i feel about instagram with comedy or like youtube sort of mm -hmm. um is i want to kind of like choke not choke people but grab by the collar like you're, you're still holding violent. on to the past like you need to like TikTok is where it's at and i sort of sound like a crazy person but TikTok is that's another separate like could be a two three hour conversation well, but that's like where let's it dive is in, going though. Let's dive that's in. where it's going yeah i mean TikTok yeah. is interesting to me because i de i agree i think that it's giving more people an opportunity to understand like what good edits look like yeah how to put together your own like yeah. comedic bits like right. you it is it's so user friendly at literally anyone can do it yeah the thing that I have an issue with with TikTok sure. is that I'm watching again this is where like old meets new right the example of like I'm watching a TikTok star book out Union Hall in New York which is yeah. like a 250 seat theater and yeah. I'm like they're gonna headline for an hour and I have friends who go see it and they're like it sucks because yeah. they don't know what to do when they can't edit the yeah quick cut it doesn't thing. translate it yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. translate yeah, so yeah. it's I don't know what that means for yeah. like the grand scheme of things. I look at TikTok very similarly to how I looked at Vine. Obviously, I think TikTok is better than what Vine was. But yeah, it's um, it's a weird clashing of the eras. And I don't know, I, I think TikTok is so valuable. Mm -hmm. I'm watching mm -hmm. some amazing characters right. come to life on there. Right. Really funny bits, but I'm just like, I don't know how this translates. Like, do we give, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to even think of a TikTok star. Name a TikTok star. The only ones I can think of, you mentioned Vine, are the ones that transition from Vine to TikTok. Like is Andrew count? Bachelor? I like King Batch. Sure. Yeah, is yeah, he yeah. on TikTok now? I don't know. Maybe. But I'm like, how I do you give like him? Brittany Broski is like a famous one or but, Sarah Schuster. Yeah, so how do you give yeah. them, a, like, what is their show? Like, what do yeah. you give them? I don't know. Like, yeah. I, and I don't, I'm not, I don't, don't think either of us would ever yeah. have the answer, but I'm curious what that will look like. Right, right. Kind of, there needs to be some sort of like middle step almost between like TikTok and then like come see this live show I'm putting on because yeah. there is I agree there's very much a difference between like editing something down to like a 30 second quick edit kind of like joke or or whatever it may be on TikTok to you have a whole hour on a stage in a live audience that's apples to oranges that's, yeah that's wild it's if somebody was like I saw this TikTok years have an hour on the stage I'd be like. 
whatever I put on is probably going to be very different from like what you're hiring me for. Or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even down to like, um, did you see Bo Burnham's uh, Netflix special that uh, you put no. out over the pandemic? In- Inside is it called yeah. Inside? I have not. Everybody tells me I should. Uh, it's an it's interesting. I right, think right, I right. honestly I think people lost their minds over it. Sure. And I was and I maybe I got it too late. Like too many people were maybe. like, "You have uh, to yeah, yeah. see this," and then I was yeah. like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, like, is, yeah." But I found it interesting because it besides like the cool like camera stuff he did, I was like, I just watched that was just a Bo Burnham yeah. stand up special. Right. There was nothing unique about the storytelling aspect of it besides like the impressiveness of he did it all himself while locked sure. in his home. Yeah. But I'm also like, yo, he's a millionaire. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's easy to do when you have yeah. everything at your disposal. I it's this is what and I mentioned John Mullane earlier, so I hope that's not edited out, but it's what I would probably now label as like a John Mulaney, not paradox, syndrome maybe, mm. where we, if you're not caught up on the John Mulaney hot goss, you know, he, he, him and his, he went back to rehab, mm. uh, he divorced his wife, him and his wife separated, he's now with Olivia Munn, Olivia Munn's pregnant, it's just been this big whirlwind of drama, but people were really upset about that because they, they saw John Mulaney as this kind of like, more precious, like protect at all costs thing. But that was his stage persona, you know? And yeah. I think Bo Burnham's very similar where like, we think Bo Burnham's like, he's just an everyday guy who made this whole thing in his like house over like quarantine or whatever. And it's like, no, he has like a lot of money and it's still, he's impressive. still a great, it's, it's still so impressive. impressive. The quality's good. But I think we're now attaching too much to Bo Burnham as being like, he's just an everyday dude. And he's exactly. like, no, he has like a lot of experience, a lot of money and like, a lot of creativity, but like we shouldn't. And the freedom to explore that creativity because he doesn't have to worry about money. And I think like, I think that was my issue with it where I was like, I would have been more impressed with this if this was our first exposure to Bo Burnham. I'd be like, who the fuck is this guy? But I'm like, it's just, I don't know. Like it was just him writing his funny songs. It's like still great, but it wasn't that like, you gotta see this (laughs) that everyone was like losing their fucking minds over. I also have avoided that for, because I know it has like kind of like, uh, it it focuses on like depression and just like things like that. And as somebody with like, at times nearly crippling depression, I'm like, I don't, that's, I watch stuff to escape. (laughs) Not to be reminded. I don't want to be like sitting in it for like an hour and a half comedy special. I know I will eventually have to just like, watch yeah. inside from just like a purely almost like academic standpoint but i i just have not watched it yet that's how i felt yeah. about uh game of thrones i was not a fan and uh, but i watched all of it because i was sure, like i have to i guess sure. <laughs> that's not something i would recommend to anybody game no. of thrones uh i read the books in college the five books that are out so i was like i'm already in like i know i'm gonna like this and then it took off and i was like it's a weird just like why? Why do I know why I like this? Why do yeah. other people like it? It was very weird. Because but, it's sexy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's sexy and it's naughty. Um, yeah. I, if you don't mind, I'd love to kind of backtrack to to what you said because I, you know, I suffer from pretty intense anxiety myself, sure. bouts of depression. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm in I'm in therapy. I love my therapist. Yeah. And for me, finding improv, you know, back in my early twenties, I was it was like a haven for me. I mm-hmm. I couldn't believe the shift that happened in my brain when I started really actively getting into improv because I went from like always thinking the negative to suddenly because of improv and you have to think positively on stage and in class, it started to bleed into the rest of my life and just like little things that would before 
tank me. Yeah. I was like f- finding that like positive spin on it because yeah. it was and making myself like laugh, you yeah. know, because I'm like, yeah. well, you know, yeah. it's raining, but at least yeah. my, <laughs> <it's> my boobs. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I'm curious, you know, as someone else who also suffers from anxiety and depression, me and uh, Ryan actually talked about this as well. Like, how has improv helped? Like, yeah. how has it yeah. helped you? Oh, uh, it has. And it hasn't. <laughs> And it's like it, it brings out the best in you, but it will also bring out the absolute worst in you. So I wouldn't never want to go around being like improv comedy or like taking a comedy class is like the panacea for your things because it's not going to solve anything. No, it's it's not therapy. It's no. therapeutic. It's therapeutic, but it's not therapy. It's not therapy. Yeah, that's a good yeah. distinction. And again, it will like bring out the best in you and people will see the best in you, but it will also very much put you in situations that will have the high potential of bringing out the worst in you. And it will test you in a lot of ways. Uh, Somebody once said to me, and I wish, I don't know who said this or who it belongs to, but it's like the work you do in improv, it's pretty much 1% on stage and in class. And all the other work you do in improv is like off stage and out of class. It's like an iceberg. That's how, I, like, most yeah. of it is under the water. Yeah. You're not seeing the the bulk of the work that goes into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You have to just take like a lot of time outside of shows and classes, or just being in the theater, and not do soul searching per se. Because I'm not like driving home being like, "Who am I? What's like my <laughs> problems? Why am I struggling with this?" But it again, not to beat a dead horse, but like it brings out the worst in you, and you just have to deal with that and kind of like figure it out off stage. And then like when you're on stage. Let that stuff go and just have fun. Yeah. But. And again, yeah. I think that's why you kind of go in full circle back to how this all uh, conversation started. It was like why normal people are, yeah. I think, funnier on stage versus actors because they are literally there to have fun. Right. right. And like actors a lot of the time are like, I take this so <laughs> fucking seriously. Right, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to be famous because I was on main stage. It's like, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell, tell everyone out there right now, you will never get famous doing just improv. Ever. There are four people that did that and yeah. they're already famous. And it's never going to happen again. It's never going to happen again because there's been this like... I joke, it's almost like the improv uh, bubble burst, like yeah. how the housing market burst, like yes. that bubble yeah, burst. Yeah. That sort of, there was like this little pocket in the like late 90s, early 2000s, right. where it was still this like alt comedy niche thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. now, as I said, you have uh, like in LA and in New York especially, you get signed with an agent, the first thing they tell you, go take an improv class. Yeah. Uh, because that's like a big part of commercial work. And it's how a lot of people like got started who are famous now yeah. Nick Kroll, Jason yeah. Manzukis, uh, Amy Poehler, obviously yeah. Tina Fey, but it's just like too many people are doing it now yeah. for that to ever be the the thing that yeah. got you. Yeah. Um, but you should still do it because it's so fun. Exactly. Yeah. Did I answer that depression question? I'm now like I trying no to. Re- I have no idea. I don't either. know. We're. I'm, like, I'm having I fun just somewhere? chatting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I want to know, like, has there ever been a moment on stage or in class where, like, just really just sticks out as like the aha moment? Like, oh, I get mm. that note finally. There probably is. Let me think about this. I Jeopardy song here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, throw that in. I don't think there's one big one for me it's a lot of stepping stones and it's going to take me days to really process that Mm -hmm. but if i had to give an answer now it really is coming to like class it's that progression like going to classes first and for me it was like seeing shows but that's a separate 
that's like watching the magic show without knowing like how the magician does it. And you know, right. there's like a trick to it. And you know, like there's something going on, but I'm really appreciating like the magic of this and just the experience and the uh, euphoria from it. And then you start taking classes and one of the small stepping stones is being like, oh, this is just make em ups and this isn't serious. And I'm coming from like a job where I have to take stuff serious and this isn't that. And that's for me was like the first kind of aha, a small one small little eureka mm-hmm. um i was like oh i don't need to i need to take this serious to a degree naturally i don't want to like walk in and go like poop jokes poop, poop, <laughs> poop, poop. this isn't serious at all but it's like this is the least important thing you'll do all day i don't know if you've heard about that but i've heard people say that a lot yeah um because it's true but it it's there's also a caveat to that where it's also it is the most important thing you're doing all day because if it was least important you wouldn't get anything out of it yeah. right yeah it would just be like taking off your socks at the end of the day it would just be something so minimal I mean that feels really and good though it does feel good but like are you constantly chasing that high of trying to <laughs> sometimes take off your okay socks? you don't know my life yeah, that's true uh, that's true. But, I mean I feel like that's why at least what I've noticed here the Wednesday night jams yeah. are so like. Oh yeah, kinetic, and I think it's I maybe part of it is like everyone's a little drunk by nine thirty at night, but potentially, yeah. There is such a joy of play going on, yeah. Um, at the Wednesday nights, especially, and again, I don't know if it's just because like there's so many people in the room, so it adds to that like energy, yeah. But like, man, I've seen some of like the best sets at DCC so far at the at those Wednesday night jams. Because you're just like yeah. watching people get up and be weird and have fun and not judge themselves and yeah, just yeah, go yeah. for it. That's my favorite thing about jams is you will see it is the polar opposite on yeah. the spectrum of improv scenes where you will see the literal worst worst kind of comedy and it's like any mechanically just stuff possible that's just where you'll see it but you will also do that the pendulum will swing in the other direction and you will single-handedly see some of the best stuff and it is a mystery we will never solve nope. I, I always wonder about it it was just like why is this environment the one where we see just like the most horrendous stuff the most like things that still are burned into my mind where mm-hmm. I was like I wish I was not on this stage right now <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but also <laughs> also the memories where I was like I wish I could never leave this stage always all right jams so it's good that I like now host them because I've been just like a spectator again. Like I usually start as a spectator, yeah, as the as the outsider, the observer, um, the watcher, and then eventually I try and work my way up into that spotlight more thematically. Uh, how how has hosting? Because like that's something that I was so excited to hear from you when we first opened Dallas Comedy Club. Uh, Ray reached out very kindly and was like, hey, a few of us were hosting this like Tuesday night jam mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. the pandemic to just kind of keep the community going. But we're going to stop that so y'all can start to like get those people yeah. back in your building. Uh, yeah. First of all, so nice. Did not have to do that. And then on top of that, we were like, cool, you want to keep you want host it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he was like, yeah, OK. Yeah, sure. And so I'm like, I how what what was the the jam throughout the pandemic like yeah. versus what it's been like now at DCC. And you can say the one over the pandemic sure. was better. I, this is honesty um, right now. I just am curious what that transition was like. I'm I'm the type of coward that would never say something is better than the other <laughs> thing. I'm very much the not like the mediator where I'm like, there's pros and cons to both, um, which is just like, again, a cowardly answer. But it was interesting which is what everybody will probably say about doing anything during mm-hmm. during a pandemic, during quarantine. The first one was very scary in a weird way, just because we were all coming out of our holes being 
aware that it was a scary time to be alive and being around each other and breathing the same air and things like that. But all of us feeling that and knowing that we all felt that to me, it was like a, a unification thing. Yeah. If that makes sense. So the first few were just like very anxiety riddled and things like that. And we, for those first few, we were like, you have to have a vaccination card. You mm-hmm. have to show it to us. And then you can perform maskless. Right. Cause we wanted to have a jam that you didn't perform with masks. That limits. It's just a weird. Vibe. It's hard. It's, it's hard. really hard. I yeah. mean, I have honestly have pretty bad hearing, and right. so like, I read people's yeah. lips a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't realize how much I did that until yeah. the masks were everywhere, right. and I was like, oh, if I've said what nine times, <laughs> I can't yeah. say what again. Yeah, yeah, and so we were. And so it was like kind of this weird unveiling moment where we're like, okay, we can take off our masks, which again, we had spent almost a full year just being like, we have to wear a mask, we have to be safe. So there was all this fear and anxiety, and then like, once we all figured out that, oh, we're all feeling the same thing, we were like, we can have fun again, if that makes sense. That was, that's probably my biggest takeaway from those months that we were doing those jams was just knowing we were all <laughs> feeling the same, just like, A, we were rusty, yeah. sure. Um, but also just like we were rusty in a different way, rusty in like a very, this is a bigger topic again for another time, but we were very rusty on like an empathetic way yeah. because we spent like a year, year and a half having to worry about ourselves and those like immediately around us with masks and just making sure everybody was okay. And some of us, you know, like some of our family members died and just like friends yeah. died and things like that, not to bring this down. No, I mean, I, I experienced the exact same stuff yeah. in New York. Absolutely. I had family members die. I yeah. had uh, friends, I lost friends of friends. Like it was nuts. Like, yeah. It was a really crazy fucking year. And then you all come back to this jam. You're just like, uh, how has your year been? And we've all kind of had this like horrible. No one wants to ask like, how you been? Yeah. Cause everyone's gonna be like, not great. Yeah. And, yeah. And then after that, you're just like, okay, let's do improv. <laughs> and it's not yeah. the best, like great foot forward, but you know, it's like in order to get where we are now, we had to take that first step, that first kind of like scary, uh, uh, yeah, that first scary step and do it. So that was, that's my big takeaway from doing those. Yeah. So. And now we're kind of in a different space, thankfully. And I think that's also why could be one of the reasons those Wednesday jams is because for some of those people, it might be their first jam back. And we've now rebuilt that foundation in that safe space. And it could also be because we might be intoxicated. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, little a little column B. Little of column A, little of column B. It's probably a lot of column A yeah. being drunk. Yeah. <laughs> that should be everybody's column A. It's like, first I need to get drunk. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny because it's, you know, alcohol plays such a, like, a big, weird, weirdly such a big part. Let in, me take a big sip from this for the radio listeners yeah, I'm gonna, at home. Yeah, I'm going to take a picture of Ray with his um, giant <laughs> carafe a, of champagne, and we'll be posting a picture of that. Josh, the who works at the DCC bar, I asked for a double mimosa, just thinking I would get maybe. <laughs> a 16 ounce pint glass of orange juice and champagne gave me an entire carafe of champagne and orange juice he made this double straw i'm trying to paint this imagery two black straws one put into the other one it makes this little like gurgling noise when i sip it it's wonderful but it's big so speaking of alcohol yeah we got it yummy yummy (laughs) but it is funny because it's um it's you know the comedy world yeah, everybody needs a little liquid courage. But sure. something that I've really noticed here, and it's not as prevalent in LA, especially mm-hmm. the LA improv scene, there are there is a pretty significant sober community. Oh, sure. Within the improv mm-hmm. community here and in New York. And it's like 
in my own experience, the here in New York were my only real exposures to people yeah. who were sober, and there was no judgment around being sober. Right. While also in this world. Right. It is not like that in LA. <laughs> I can tell you right now, yeah. you're like the weird person yeah. if you don't have a drink yeah. before or after your show. Yeah. And it almost was like detrimental for some performers in LA. I had friends who were sober that wouldn't get booked on shows because they were like viewed as not yeah. cool Straight enough. Lace. And it's yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, so I love seeing those who are brave enough yeah. to come to a jam for the first time, yeah. completely sober, yeah. get up on stage and kill it. And I'm yeah. like, we need more of you. Yeah. Rub off on us. Yeah. I, it's, that's an interesting note that like, because I didn't even realize it until you just pointed out that a bunch of us are just like, we don't drink before shows. I've started dipping my toes into that since coming back from the pandemic. I yeah. think that's more of a scar of the pandemic. It's like, <laughs> I can have a drink if I want to before a show. And thankfully, you guys allow that too. Yeah. But I think for a long time, we were all kind of limited, not limited, because now this sounds like the only way we can be funny is alcohol, which is not true. No. Lots, lots of people can develop problems from that. Yes, uh, absolutely. You yeah. can be funny without it. I, yeah. We're telling you yeah. right now, we are both funny without yeah. it. So many people are so funny without yeah. it. Eight out of 10 shows I probably do, maybe nine out of 10. I probably don't have like, drink or anything beforehand because right. that's what I was used to for the first four, four or five years and only recently again I've been starting to do it but I think we were sort of taught and this is a good thing I think to teach level one it's one of those things where like in level the first few levels improv you're taught a lot of rules mm -hmm. and then at some point you realize that you can like kind of take off those training wheels and, and bend them and, and use them in different ways and one of those was like not to drink before like showcases or classes or shows, right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You could have jams. And one of the reasons for that was because the improv is about like thinking on your feet and thinking fast and like kind of thinking about whatever comes off the top of your head and alcohol, scientifically speaking, I adjust my glasses. <laughs> um, is It slows you down naturally. It will kind of like slow down your thinking, but the weird double-edged swordness of that is it slows down your thinking, but it also like it's an easier way to take down those boundaries you don't would, judge like, your you. thought right as much. exactly yeah. and so it's a weird sort of thing where it's but kind of back to the point it's like you obviously don't tell like a level one student or you try and like say like don't drink before class or don't do this before class because you don't want you don't know anybody's life so you don't want them showing up like very intoxicated you know you don't want to like open that door because for some people they can have a drink or two and be fine on stage others like that could be a huge problem yeah and you just don't know so for a long time i'm trying to rope back around a long time we were taught just like not to do that at all because it's better to not do it because we don't know everybody else's situation. It's right. almost like an abstinence, <laughs> abstinence yeah. only kind of like philosophy of being like, it's better not to let anybody do it because we don't know like where we'll lead others. But yeah. there's a whole bunch of gray in that. Yeah, there really is. I mean, we have in our code of conduct and student handbook that the students all have to sign. We're like, literally, it says it's like, we know that there is a bar that you yeah. pass yeah. on the way yeah. into yeah. your classroom. Yeah. You are not allowed to get a drink yeah. on your way into class during class. Yeah. After class, go nuts. Have yeah. a drink. Hang out. We want that. But like. It's especially, I'll say this, especially the stand-up students, it's like, we got to remind them once a week. Yeah. It's wild. I'm like, y'all, if you need <laughs> a drink just to go to class, yeah. you got to do some self-work yeah. first yeah. before you do this comedy thing. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this from like a weird standpoint, but some of my favorite troop mates in the past are currently, they are in some sort of like AA program, or I very much like love friends who... Excuse me, just burped. Um, that was the I, champagne coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Bubblies. Because those friends just like, no, God, I just lost my train of thought. That one burp. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's my ADHD. 
the the troop mates and friends that I know who have either like cut out alcohol or drugs for a period of time or have been sober for you know like decades, their improv style is so pure to me and such a distilled version of themselves. And sometimes I wonder if that is because they've had to like not rely on any sort of substance yeah. to artificially bolster or or um, opposite of bolster is um, repress. Mm -hmm. I guess for lack of a better word, some sort of aspect of themselves. Again, another probably like three or four hour TED talk about like what alcohol and, and substance use can do for comedy. But yeah. some people need it. Some people it helps. Some people it hurts. Some it's just sometimes you gotta, it's not the This is what we were saying. Like you got to do that self discovery exactly before yeah. you you use comedy, yeah. improv, stand up, sketch, whatever it is, as the crutch because right. it's not a crutch. It's not therapy. It's not yeah. the place to go work out your problems. No, yeah. It is a place where you can you can be working on your problems outside right. the classroom. Absolutely, we're all works in progress. We're yeah. all always working on ourselves. But you know, this is supposed to be a space where you can come and like shed any negativity right. and like shed the idea of being any certain way yeah. and just be. be. Yeah, without the alcohol, without the drugs, like just yeah. be. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It's tough. It's tough for some people to like yeah. do that. Yeah, we could just go on and on about this, yeah. can we? Damn, yeah. This is going to turn into a five-hour <laughs> podcast. Potentially. Um, all right, I'm going to hard shift. Okay. Hard shift to some fun goof-goof questions. Please Goofy do. Goofy questions. Please do. Um, so if you could insert yourself into any TV show or movie in history, uh, which would it be? And this is not oh. you taking on a character. <laughs> no, so yeah, like, I know. you're just now a new character sure, in this sure. world. Yeah, yeah. I would love to be, and anybody who is is like dear friends with me, I hope knows this because I don't talk about this a lot because I know I will just lose my mind. I will just uh, uh, vomit, basically. I would love to be on the show in the universe of Lost, the hit ABC television <laughs> show Lost. I love that show so much. Um, even the ending? Even the ending. I, I That just hit a sweet spot for me. This Now as like an adult, because Lost has been off since 2010, so we've been 11 years. So we've kind of sat with it in R. our, our consciousness. Yeah, rest in peace. Uh, six seasons, it did what it wanted to do, got in, got out. Or mad respect to that. But the ending to me, now 11 years, has always stuck with me. And as an adult, I can now kind of see... Because, let me take it two steps back, because I said I was an adult. <laughs> September 22nd, 2004, I believe, is when Lost premiered. And I was in seventh grade. And that probably, no, that is a show a seventh grader needs to see. And then I stuck through it all the way to 2012, uh, 2010 when I graduated high school. When it ended was, like, right when I was graduating high school. Mm -hmm. Big moment in everybody's life. And also, like, my favorite TV show was ending. May of that year was just a big emotional thing for me. Yeah. It's lost again. Lost was ending, and I was also, like, going off to college and, like, saying goodbye to the school I was at from, like, grade, first grade to, like, 12th grade. So Aww. I had all these friends and stuff. But anyways, uh, Lost meant a lot to me, and then I got to sit with it for these 11 years <laughs> since then and kind of think about it a lot and revisit it from time to time. And the ending to me now has more meaning than it did and I'm going to tie this back. I know this is supposed to be a goofy question. I love it. No, I love this. Everyone has had such unique, different answers yeah. to this. So I'm loving this. Like, I'm here for your TED Talk. This is right? not a spoiler for Lost. Uh, if you want to watch Lost, you can still listen to the next probably like minute or two of conversation. In the series finale of Lost, a character says to one of the main characters about this place that we've seen a lot in the last season, which is these, these flash sideways. This is not a spoiler. I swear to God, if you listen to it, it's like, that's a spoiler. It's not. One of the characters says, this is a place that you guys created for yourself. You know, because throughout life, you got separated and stuff. We don't know what really happened there, but we knew you guys got separated. Maybe some people died. Maybe they went off separate ways. But this place, you're now all at and reuniting in. 
is basically a place you've created for yourselves to reunite. And I think as a 30 year old man, 11 years after that, that is the most beautiful thing because you make these connections with people and you don't always have these friendships. Like some friends are there for two years, some are for five, some are for like a month. But yet at the end of your life, when you die in the afterlife or whatever it may be, you reunite. And I think that's unification is so, when I, when I am at my saddest, I think about that because it's just like, oh, these connections are so, impo- so important. And that's how I sometimes see as a crazy person, a comedy theater as like mm-hmm. the connections we make, like you won't be on the same troops forever. You won't see the same people around the comedy club forever. Some people get married and move and some people have kids and like have other life responsibilities. But at the end of our lives, I hope we all somehow reunite. And anytime I walk in here again, I know this is supposed to be a goofy question. I love this. But anytime I walk into this building, I'm like, it's a reunification where I'm like, oh, I'm glad I get to see these people again and do these things and, and talk to these people. Because it's such a, I can't, I don't have the words to how profound that is to me. So that's why I like the ending of Lost. I don't yeah. like everything they did in that last season or how they, every all the ways they ended it. There are parts that I enjoy and, and respect, but at least that sentiment stuck with me. And I think that's how we should treat all television media. It's just like, take what you want out of it and then just hold on to what you can and then forgive the bad parts. But anyways, that's my TED Talk on Lost. Damn, that was beautiful. I, I We are both weeping right now. There are, I, te- there are I had tears. to fight back tears. There, I know, I and I made me choke up. There are tears like behind my eyeballs right now. Yeah. That was beautiful. Um, I Yeah, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that. I hope to everybody who hasn't seen Lost, that still makes sense for them. It doesn't, and that's fine. (laughs) Um, But it's, I no, I think the sentiment is very. That's a beautiful way to put it. I love that you equated it back to being in this building and comedy and all of that. Damn, that was nice. How do I ask you this next question? It's so stupid. Well, next question. I also didn't actually answer that last. Now I'm gonna think about it because you're like, what show? Would you put yourself in? And you said Lost, Lost. and then you like went on a beautiful monologue about why you chose Lost. But I also, on like a very simple level, I would love to be on a stranded island, which (laughs) with a smoke monster, and you're just like, some days you're just eating on the beach, and then the days you're you're trying to avoid the others. For your life, yeah. All right. Well, okay. What kind of superpower do you (laughs) have? (laughs) It's like such a stupid follow up question. Yeah. No, if you got to choose a song that would play. Every time you walked into a room, like it's your intro song, what would this song be? The song I would choose. <laughs> I played in a show last night, uh, hor- improvised horror movie. It's um, some sort of Beethoven's, one of his symf- symphonies. It's, I think it's number seven. Maybe there's like an opus to it, a number two. But it starts, it starts with this big note, this kind of big dramatic note. And then it goes back quieter and kind of just like slowly kind of builds and builds and builds. The first two minutes of that is one of what I wish would play when I walked in a room because I have a dramatic side, but I also have a quiet side. And I feel this is a very dramatic and quiet song for that first two or three minutes. It's like a seven, eight minute song. Oh, I can't and it kind of goes in different it. places. Not really. It kind of sticks to the same path, actually. <laughs> um, but it builds in a way and then it goes back quieter and it kind of like builds again and then like ends on a quiet note. But that's that's what I wish would play when I walked in a room because I naturally am not a person who when I walk in a room I'm like hey what's up yeah. and everybody's like 
Oh! Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You and Dane Robertson both picked uh, Beethoven pieces, which oh, I find interesting. I'm interesting. curious if it's the same one, which yeah, would blow maybe. my mind. It has to. It's probably because we're so tall. Yeah. <laughs> Dane Robertson probably still has a half foot on me. As I'm 6'2", yes. and Dane Robertson is probably like, what, 6'7"? Uh, yeah, he's, six, he's six. a tall boy. Yeah. Um, the picture we took for after, we, like, so it's <laughs> yeah. only this that yeah, you see yeah. of me, and then like all of Dane. I call um, that getting Mike Wazowski. Yeah. <laughs> he's in Monsters, Inc. He's constantly getting like, photos taken yep. of him that's covering him up. That I'm I'm really glad you chose uh, classical. I listen to a yeah. lot of classical music. I'm a sure. huge Vivaldi fan, so oh, yeah. I love when I, I meet other people who like yeah. classical music because yeah. I don't meet them. Is it, it's like the Four Seasons, the basic bitch answer. For oh Vivaldi. yeah, yeah, okay. but it's it's great. Like yeah. I will yeah. listen to the Four Seasons because it's a it fucking slaps, y'all. Okay, <laughs> yeah. it really does. It's fucking great. Yeah, and Claire de Lune, which is not Vivaldi, sure. but I love Claire de Lune. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's like, a classic. Oh god, I'll put that on when I'm feeling sad and I'm like, I just want to be sad. Yeah. Claire de Lune. Okay, <laughs> moving right along. Sure. Uh, if you had to choose today the title of your autobiography or the title of your Netflix special, what would oh, it be? Oh, great question. Can I tell you what Dane's was? Because it really sure. made me laugh. I've, I've said this like three times on other <laughs> yeah, people's yeah, podcasts. Please do, please do, please uh, do. Do you play basketball? That's the, na that uh, the name. Because he's so tall. Yeah, yeah again, and he's I so tall. Because you were like, <laughs> well, he's very tall. tall. Oh, okay. I, 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 I don't want to say I, I spent a lot of time feeling bad for Dane Robertson because I don't. <laughs> I don't, he's a tall man, he's very charming, he, he has is. a nice face. Like, I'm not going around like Dane has it tough. I'm sure Dane has tough moments, of we all course, do, we all he's do. human. But I do wonder like how he feels about, and maybe he said it on his podcast, he did. how he feels to about yeah, he does. He, we, we talk about how the first thing my mom said to him was, you're so tall. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't imagine having such a striking physical feature. Yeah. And again, that's why like, I don't feel bad for Dane Robertson except for that. Having something about you that is so striking that people constantly, I think I did this last night to a stranger at a bar. Yeah. Uh, here was, I met somebody, uh, a mutual friend, and her name was Jenna Beth. And I said, Jenna Beth, two names, nice. And I think I saw her die inside. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, she probably gets that all the time. All Having the time. like a two two part first name. So being on that side of things, I, was, I, I do and I don't envy Dane because I, I can't, Imagine what it's like to have something that people are like, it's this thing. Hey, you have this and, thing and that you know about. Yeah. And you literally can't control it. Like no, someone's yeah. name, like that's just my name. That's, like yeah. you're tall. Okay, I can literally cannot control <laughs> yeah. how tall I am. Yeah. Yeah. But tying it back to the question, autobiography or a Netflix special, I, I always enjoy... One of my favorite series as a kid was um, a series of unfortunate events. And I enjoy titles like that where it's just like, this is what it is, but it's also not going to be pleasant in places. And so if I make up a title based on that, you're seeing how the sausage is made. <laughs> unfortunate um, events, semicolon, the series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, a bunch of fucked up stuff is going to happen, but some cool stuff too. Right. Probably. I'd buy that book. Netflix would be like, that's too long. But if it's a book, I'd buy that book. It's a book. That's yeah, a great yeah, yeah. title on a book. I'm that sure there's an easy one word. Somebody just, a very good friend of mine just sent me like a horse, an astrology thing that was like, this is what the title of your autobi uh, autobiography is called based on uh, your astrology. Yeah. And, and the one for my sun sign, uh, moon sign, and also rising sign all kind of fit in together. I could find it if you want me to. Find it. Find it. Okay. Yeah. It'll take me literally 15 seconds. Count yeah. to 15 and I'll have it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's sweating. Eleven. 
I have it. 12. Oh, shit. Title memoir titles. So, (laughs) so based on this, due to my sun sign, which is Leo, I'll read you what the full title is and then break it down just briefly. So the title would be this quote, Ray, that's in all caps. So Ray fighting my truth, colon, fought my way up to the top. Hell yeah. Um, which is Leo's just your name in all caps, which is my sun sign. My moon sign's a Scorpio, which is to hell and back. And then uh, Capricorn and my rising sign, which is fought my way up to the top. And, but I also just love Ray, colon, to hell and back. I uh, love that. Again, it's like there's going to be some bad parts or like some probably like darker parts. But also to hell and back means you come back at some point. Bring it back to that like reunification thing from Lost. Uh, don't cry you, you always you always it. come back to like a good place and again, <laughs> again struggling with like depression it's like this where i am at now i have to kind of fight through it because i know there is like another side to it and another coming back so it's yeah. ray colon to hell and back hell yeah yeah that's a great title that's the most badass title we've gotten so far. Thank you. I'll You're accept welcome. my trophy. Yeah, that I'll yeah. send it to you in the mail. Don't worry. <laughs> if somebody uncrowns me for that spot, just tell me and I'll yeah, get I'll it to them. I'll kick them. They're, they're out. Um, okay. Uh, so uh, in the email I sent out to confirm mm. this, I asked if you could br- bring three recommendations that like, oh, if yeah. a new comedy yes. student yeah. was getting started, what would be three things that they should consume right. in this world? For me, they're not comedic things. That's fine. Because I think sometimes you learn a lot... Uh, from comedy, from not watching necessarily comedic things. Yeah. And not knowing, I was going to talk about this earlier, my favorite comedy, I'm not kidding, is the hit television ABC show Lost. <laughs> I hate you. Because <laughs> it's such a dramatic show, but when there are comedic moments, they are so funny to me because you're just, it's it's so refreshing when like somebody has a funny line or something funny happens because you're so caught up in this drama and tension of that show or, uh, uh, and then somebody does something funny you're just like oh it's just that release yeah. and so <laughs> i i will say probably just watch the first season or two of lost i'm not saying you have to watch all of it just because there are in probably every episode one or two funny moments that i think that is the type of comedy i really enjoy when you're like really in this tense or like dense place and then something happens and it's a release of, of tension. Yeah. Um, that's the first recommendation. My second re- recommendation might be a first on this podcast. Oh boy. Because I'm arrogant. It's a comic book called, am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Oh, f- how many times have I cursed? Sex criminals. I consider <laughs> sex a curse. Not a curse. <laughs> what? It's called sex criminals. It's by Matt Fraction and the artist is Chip Sadarsky, which is Z D. I have it in my bag actually, because I just lent it to somebody and they returned it. I think that's a fun comic book. The basic premise in issue one is a woman finds out the first time when she masturbates and when she orgasms, time freezes for a oh. period of time. And so eventually by the end of the first issue, she's an adult and she's kind of known she always has this power. And then her library that she works at is going under. They're losing money and it's getting demolished. And so she decides to use her time-freezing orgasm powers to rob a bank, basically. And so Sex Criminals is this long, kind of longer work. It's obviously comedic. Matt Fraction is a very funny writer. Chip Zdarsky is a very funny artist. And he now writes for a lot of uh, Marvel and stuff like that, too. But... I said most of my things are not going to be comedic, but that's probably the most comedic thing. If I'm going to check that out. That sounds Matt really Fraction, fun. It's really funny. <laughs> not to like get rid of this joke or like do it before you see it in Sex Criminals. They have this whole scene where they're doing where where the main character is singing a Queen song in a bar, but they 
Uh, and they drew it out and wrote it out and everything, but they could not get the rights to it. And so you just kind of see these basically like other dialogue boxes on top of the originals stating that like, hey, she's singing Queen here. This is what our original idea was. Oh my we got God. it all the way up to this point, but we never got the rights. So now we have to do like this, this curveball. And I just think it's funny. It's very meta. Anyways, that is really fun. Uh, it's a fun, it's a fun, funny. The heightening in it is just great, but it's also very heartfelt. There's some pretty like dark content in there but again you can only have comedy when you have like the other side of that coin being drawn. yeah there's but, a reason why it's the happy and sad mask yeah as the theater like you right. need both yeah the third and final thing is so far up my alley i almost hesitate not recommending it there's a netflix special by a british comedian called james <gasps> acaster i <laughs> I it's a four-part episode love series. It's the him. most amazing thing I've ever seen. He's my favorite stand-up. Yeah. Uh, he might be my favorite human on the planet. <laughs> yeah. I love his work. I have seen everything he's done. I've looked oh. up you, every YouTube thing All the thing game shows did. he's on? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's you wild. are the first person I've met in this fucking <laughs> city who Thank knows so who James Acaster Again, is. another trophy should <gasps> come my way. Wait, which one are you, are you recommending? Is it called, is it called uh, Repertoire? It's Repertoire. Yeah, Repertoire. It's a four-part comedy special, and... I don't care if you don't like the first episode because you have to get to just the fourth it. episode just to just see all these callbacks and just like how he ties this all together, just like narratively and stuff like that. It's an amazing stand-up special. He's so smart. He's oh. so smart. He's so dry. He is, to me, I think the like most underrated, one of the funniest 100%. humans yeah. on this fucking earth, man. Right. Oh my God. I'm so happy you said that. <laughs> Everyone's like throwing out other stand-up special. I'm like, sure. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of James A. Gasser? Yeah. And no one here knows him. I'm no, begging no. Rosie. I'm like, we got to find it in the budget. <laughs> How do we convince him to get fly, here? Yeah, fly him here. Fly him out. Um, cause, and it will just be for me because I don't think anyone no, in Dallas no, it will, will be like for him. It will be for us. both yeah, of us yeah. sitting front yeah. row center laughing Privately, at everything he yeah. does. Um, did you ever see, this is such a digression, sure, sorry podcasters, I don't care. Did you ever see um, the uh, his show that was at the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh? No. <gasps> I gotta send you a link. Is it somewhere? Oh, Online? I think it was on Netflix. It might not be anymore, oh, no. but it, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. on Netflix yeah. and it's it's incredible. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. It's basically a one man show. It, at that point I'm like, this isn't even stand up, this is art. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. <sighs> All right, anyway. That out of everything you've heard for recommendations, yeah, listeners, James A. Caster, yeah, do oh, one hundred percent, do That's, it. That should be before watching Lost and reading Sex Criminals. You should probably just watch the four-part stand-up special repertoire by James so A. Caster. Uh, his bit on a fucking the cooking show British Bake Off. Did you see this episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the only episode I've watched of that show. No, that's <laughs> not true. Other people have shown me episodes when I like at their house, but it's the one so I good. privately went to go watch by myself was that one. Because it's just a it's just a mess. And he's kind of a mess sometimes, but he's like, Yeah, this is what where I am. It's a mess. He's and, wonderful. I love him so much. Um, oh, I'm expecting so now, right I now. think, at least three trophies after this podcast. Oh my god, you won. You you're number one guest so far. Thank you so you much. win the podcast. Thank you. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> How do we even move on from James A. Caster? Great choice. Glad that was your third one because the other two would have just been poop after that, yeah, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. All right, we're going to do another uh, segment now. This is called uh, First Thought, Best Thought. Uh, right, these yeah. are going to be one-word answers only, or as close right. to one word as possible. Oh, but boy. first thought, best thought, don't judge yourself on these answers, okay? Oh, never. What is your idea of misery? Oh, loneliness. What is your idea of pure bliss? Not loneliness. <laughs> what or who is your biggest inspiration? Oh, can I say Moses from the Bible? Yes. <laughs> 
I thought you were going to say lost. So that's fine. What oh. is your biggest vice? So many. Oh, biggest vice. Oh, first thought. I was going to say comic books. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Do you ask for permission or forgiveness? Uh, forgiveness. And what one word best describes you and your brand of comedy? Mm, dead. <laughs> That's especially funny to me because my dad, when he first saw you perform, the first oh, yeah. thing he said to me was, I really like that deadhead looking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. It's exact words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty accurate for your brand of comedy. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. I like that. Dead. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ray. That was fucking awesome. We're going to do the final segment on, on this podcast. We're going to do some improv now. Yeah. Um, so I have my little random word generator. Do you want a suggestion of a random word, location, relationship, profession, emotion, starting line? I have so many options. Let's go classic. Just a one a word. word. Yeah. A word. Edge. Edge is our word. The Grand Canyon this time of year, it's remarkable. In the winter when you can't hear anything else around you, it's just that dead silence of the Grand Canyon and just us. Just us and, and mom here. Oh, right. Yeah. I sometimes forget she's in the room since she's so tiny now in that little jar. All right. Why aren't you more emotionally impacted by this? This is a big moment for us as siblings. Well, I've talked to my therapist a lot about this. and I, Why are you uh, bragging? Because you know I have money to pay a therapist twice a week to go to twice a week Stop therapy. Stop bragging. I repress a lot, Stephanie. I know that might be surprising to you. That I don't show a lot of emotion, that I repress a lot. But I think I'm finally starting to feel something here at the Grand Canyon. Is as it, we're about to throw mom down into the gorge. Is it sadness that you feel? Sadness. Because you seem kind of happy, honestly. Shouldn't we all be happy about it? We're like finally letting go of the past and what mom did to both of us. I'm not going to let go of that. And I don't know that I want to let go of this box right well, now. You have to physically let go of the box. Well, I don't want to let go of the box. Stop trying to take the box out of my hand. Please, just release your pinky. That's all you have no, to do. You know I have the strongest pinky in America. Once she's down there, we can just move on, No, Stephanie. we can't. We can't just move on. She was our mother. She was our mother, Stephanie. Okay. She was, was not a great tense. mother. She no, wasn't great. She wasn't great. But she was our mom, and we only get one mom. And now she's. She had her high points, I'll admit. There were some good, shining moments in our relationship. We became closer because she was so bad. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that's one good thing that came from it. And also, I learned a lot about independence and repression, you know, and how to deal with emotions properly, which is to say, Put them in a closet somewhere in the back of your mind. No, that is that is not the right way. You to sound deal just with like you sound just like my therapist right now. Well, stop bragging, okay? I I just want us to be able to be normal, happy siblings. I don't know that throwing mom mom's ashes into a gorge is going to help. That I think she needs to I, sit on a mantle and. And watch over us. She sat on Amanda for two years. I and every time I came into your house, Stephanie, it would scare the bejesus out of me. I'd Why? be like, ah, mom. Why does that scare you? Because she would always scare me. She would hide in places around the house for days sometimes. Yeah, and I would have she to... was, but she was, had a great sense of humor in her in her later years. I was. I just grew tired of it, okay? Because you never know when you go into seventh history, seventh period history class, you know you haven't seen your mom in a few days and you know she's hiding somewhere. Yeah, she was a goof. 
Okay, isn't that fun? A little fun. goof. But you got that from her. You got her goofiness. She was trying to give you her goofiness. You just didn't want to accept. You can't force goofiness. Little pranks as a goof. You know, you didn't accept little pranks. it. It's, they were little pranks. Little pranks? Little, little, little she pranks. hit me with her car once. That was an accident. That's what she said. It was an accident. And I will she never didn't know. see you. It was that twilight hour where you don't put your car lights on sure. yet. And, but it's kind of dark, but it's not. Right. It was an accident. And to be fair, right. you sure. were you were not wearing your safety vest as no. she had demanded. We wear our safety vest. Yeah, but I feel like at that point, that's how she would find me and scare me is because I obviously stood out in the darkness. And so I, I discarded my safety vest because I was tired of being spooked in the darkness. But anyways. So you're laughing. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing. Because I just remember the only prank that she did that I laughed at. What was it? Which was pretending to take that cyanide pill, but I had swapped it for a real cyanide pill. And I thought that was very funny because she didn't know she was the one being pranked. Anyways, don't tell the cops that. <laughs> it's an accident. You're we have to still reason think. Our mother is dead. Yes. That's why I we need to get rid of her. How ashes. could you? How could you lie to me? I stood at that funeral. I delivered a eulogy. I watched you. I watched you cackle in the bathroom, and I, I thought, you yeah. know, this is just stress. This is just you thought brief. I was losing my mind, but I, I lost that ages lost ago, mind. Stephanie. I lost that decades ago when I was seven. Dylan, years old. this is out of control. It was out of control. This is the last. Once we do this, I'll never be out of control again. I don't believe you. I'll be you. so in control of my emotions and actions. You'll have, you'll be amazed. Okay, prove it. Prove. Look how control I am right now. I. This does I'm, not feel like control. This feels like repression. No. And Look how tense are, my body is. Exactly. That is. That is one hundred percent control, Stephanie. That is repression. That is. That is you repressing your guilt and your grief. And this is. No. This is the moment to no, let it wrong. out, Dylan. This you're is the wrong, moment. Stephanie. I'm let not going to let anything out, out, Stephanie. Let it out, Dylan. No, shut up. Scream it. Nothing Scream is happening. This is good. Board. We just need to get Scream rid of mom, it. please. Can we just get rid of mom? I'm just terrified like that earns a jack in the box and she's just going to pop out at any moment and I'm going to fall back into the Grand Canyon and, and die. She's going to kill me. She's I thought she was going to kill me someday, Stephanie. She's not going to kill you. She's dead. You killed her. You won. Oh, you're right. Look how much more relaxed you are. She's gone, and I'm still here. You hear that, Mom? I'm looking at the ground. You hear that, Mom? I'm still here. And you're down there in hell, probably getting poked by a bunch of pitchforks and, 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 and devils with pointy fingernails. Right. Like ladies wear nowadays, right, that fashion trend where people have, you know, those big pointy-ass nails. That's what all the demons down there in hell have, Mom. And I hope you're feeling uncomfortable by that. You bitch. <laughs> Just, I think I think you should be the one to throw the ashes. Oh, I would love to. That's what I've been trying to do this I whole know time. that's what you've been trying to do, but I feel, I feel now that you're actually ready to hold the box. Do you, do you want to keep a scoop? Of her ashes for yourself? A scoop of ashes for yourself? I mean, I feel. But what if I scoop like her boob or something? I don't want to, like mom's boob. It was weird. She asked them to keep those inside the jar. Before they incinerated her in her will, you know, she did say that she wanted her boobs slashed off of her. Her words. 
and put among her ashes. She paid a lot of money for them. She did pay a lot of money. Listen, mom was an eclectic woman. That's an understatement, but yeah. She made two pretty, pretty cool kids, though. We may have had an awful childhood. It's true. But we, we turned out okay. Pretty good. I think I'm a pretty great person, personally. Sure. Right? Sure. I think I think think you've got, I think you're on your way to control. Okay. That's fair. I'll take that criticism. My therapist says I should take criticism, so I'm going to take. Did I mention that it's actually two separate therapists? And not just me going to the same therapist twice a week. It's two separate therapists. Stop bragging. Can't help it. Can't help it. Well, here. I'm going to give you the box. Okay. And I don't want you to just throw the box. Okay. This is a nice box. I want you to take the lid off the box. We'll keep the box. We're going to keep the box. I want you to let her boobs flop out and and her ashes soar into the wind. Right. Okay? Okay. Can you do that? I can. I And I promise. I pinky swear. You pinky. Do pinky promise, pinky swear. Pinky promise, pinky swear. Okay, do it then. Pinky okay. promise, pinky swear. Me. Pinky promise, pinky swear. Okay. Just like we were kids exactly. again. Exactly. Kiss your palm. Okay, I'm going to... Hand me the box. Don't, okay, Stephanie. I'm handing you the box. Well, goodbye, Mom. Are you sure you don't want a thing of I, ashes? I don't want any of her. still do this. No, okay. I, I want you... This is called closure. Okay. Hey, Mom, um, I'm going to dump you out now. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me. I know I talked to you earlier, so I hope you can hear me. But I hope you rot in hell, Mom. For the record, me too, Mom. Yeah. Yeah. What you did to Stephanie, I know I've been talking about what you did to me a lot. We don't have to talk about what you did. I'll never forgive you for what you did to Stephanie. If you thought the pranks you did to me were all goofs, what you did to her, which we don't have to talk about. We don't have to talk about it. You were vile, mother. Vile. And I've seen a lot of vile stuff as as a cop. Anyways. Why do they put little locks on here? Um, you know? Just unlock it. Is that weird? I did. It's unlocked now, okay. but I just I just don't know why they put like. Because like, what if it flops open and then you've got like a floppy boob and ashes everywhere? Well, That's look, why. it comes in a plastic bag. There's a plastic bag in here that all the ashes. I didn't and realize boobs are that in. there was a plastic bag. I thought it yeah, was just weird. loose. They like double secure it. Anyways. Well, some pe- I think some people actually like their deceased parents. You know. Yeah, they keep it probably for a long period of time. They don't want the ash to rot the wood or something like Did that. Did you just put the box in your pocket? Yeah. Because we're keeping the box. I have the bag. Oh, okay, good. I, I didn't see the bag in your so, other hand. I was very focused on I the one. I turned my back because, you know, I'm very secretive. Yeah, so, so it's, so let it let it go. That's, it's good wood. The box is good the wood. The bo- box is good wood. Let it. her let her go, Dylan. Okay. Let her go. Uh, just shaking it out. In the arms of, of the, devil, the devil, rot in <laughs> hell, <laughs> you bitch. Go off, Stephanie, go off. I can't see from my left eye, cause your pranks blinded me. Let it go. That's all I got. That's all I got. That was beautiful. Thank you. You want to sing anything? Um, sure.
Scene, scene. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Um, every single one of these has been so fucking <laughs> weird, and I love it. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today, uh, Ray. This was such a delight to get to know you more and really talk shop. I yeah. feel like this is easily going to be the longest episode, and I love that. <laughs> we didn't even get to improvise horror movie or oh, like yeah. any of your other teams. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, where can people find more of you? Do you have a website or social media handles or anything that people can come find you and follow more of Ray? Instagram's probably the easiest, which is, I don't know how this translates, but if this is easy to follow, let me know. You would phonetically say the dude o Zeus, and so it's T-H-E-D-U-D-E-O-Z-E-U-S. Nice. That's on Instagram. Don't post a lot on there, but a lot of TikToks mainly. Oh, that we're uh, you post on TikTok a lot? No, I post oh. TikToks I like. Oh, yeah. I'm not creating this content. I'm just shill <laughs> I'm just shilling it out yeah, to be like, look still, at this. Yeah, you're still in the, the year to year and a half of watching <laughs> the thing, and then you'll exactly. Get yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, again, like another big thing that I'm just just the watcher for now. You're very voyeuristic. That was the word I've been yeah, looking for this yeah, entire podcast. Yeah. Well, you can check out Ray on several of his teams um, here at Dallas Comedy Club. Again, that's Redemption. They perform every Wednesday night. Don't Broken, Not Fixin' every Sunday night. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Midnight Passion is every other Sunday. Every other Sunday. So, yeah, sometimes it's like a double feature of yeah. Ray. And, and the jams on Sunday. And the jam is on Sunday. And the club team jam is on Wednesday, which mm -hmm, Ray sometimes mm -hmm. hosts as well. So uh, you can find out exact times uh, for all of these shows uh, by visiting the website dallas-comedyclub.com, clicking on shows and visiting our current calendar. That's it, folks. I've been your host, Kimberly Alou, but you already knew that. Thank you all so much and stay safe out there.